Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Justin, a.k.a. Just Tries, and we're always talking vulnerability, learning, and growth mindset. Go to Just Keep Learning for content and more episodes geared toward helping you not just set goals, but achieve them too. We have our own goal to help millions of people be lifelong learners and get their ambitions off the ground, so be sure to hit us up and let us know how we can help. Our guest today is a leader in goal setting, podcasting, and business. Before graduating college, he grew his own podcast, Growth Mindset University, to the top of the charts and has built a second show since. In this episode, we have great conversations about education, business, and being your best self. He's definitely a role model for standing behind what you believe in and will have many great accomplishments throughout his career. Please welcome to episode 12 of The Learned Podcast, Jordan Paris. Let's say you're volunteering in a senior's residence and one of the residents wheels up to you and wants to meet you. They say, who are you and what do you do? How do you summarize that for them? You know, what I would say here would be very different than like what I would say in this in this context, because I would not mention any sort of professional accomplishments or things that I do because I just don't talk about that stuff to people out in the in the real world. Like I, le- I like to let people find out for themselves. So, yeah, I would just say I'm Jordan. That's all. And that's actually what I would leave it at. Yeah, of course. But I used to visit my grandpa in a senior's residence. And I know what they're going to ask. Well, what do you do for work? Where do you go to school? You're going to get the question, where do you go to school? Well, I, I'd say I, don't, I would say I don't go to school. And then I would say that I run my own business. What would happen next? <laughs> they would ask, what's your business? They would ask about the, about the business, right? <laughs> and then this is where it would get really weird for them because they wouldn't understand. I would say, oh, I would make it really simple. I make podcasts for people. And they wouldn't really know what podcasts are. I mean, maybe some, you know, some, some, some people would. And then I, I don't know, I'd compare it to like a radio show. I, I'd be like, I, I'd be like, I, I'm the producer on radio shows. <laughs> like, like I produce radio shows for people. <laughs> and I've already run into this and I've recorded what, a couple episodes. Somebody said, oh, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, no, I'm, I'm too busy. I'm recording a podcast and look at me like I'm crazy. But I think that's a great way of explaining it. You know, I think one thing that actually they would ask is probably why you do your podcast why that's your business? Well, I mean, I, I, my podcast is not my business. It's just a piece of it. Like, like I, I cannot get clients if I don't, if, if Growth Mindset University, my podcast doesn't exist. Like all the success that I've had with Growth Mindset University, like that is why I can get clients. Like that is the lighthouse that people look at, the beacon of light that people look at. And they're like, you know, that's why we hire Jordan. And so they definitely don't exist without one another, but, you know, my podcast isn't necessarily my business per se, you know. For sure. And I know we'll get into a deeper dive, the tech side of business. But what um, would you say your business is then that the podcast becomes kind of that side partner to? Well, I produce podcasts for people. Yes. That makes sense, right? Like, you know, per produce, manage, uh, and, and market, uh, create marketing material for podcasts, you know, like, like a turnkey, a turnkey podcast company, you know, like there's so many little things, so many little stressors with podcasting. And there are people, so many people that just don't have the time to worry about all those little things. Yeah. They just, it's just not something they prioritize, but they want a podcast. They want to gain this influence. And so the big thing that, we do one of the things we do is like the record and forget feature like you know you just do the fun part you record the podcast 
and we take care of all the rest of editing the the everything show notes what like literally everything yeah Turn, turnkey that's awesome i think that's a good description and i'm sure people will jump out of the podcast already to go hire you if they're thinking about starting one <laughs> i'm not for everyone that's the thing i'm not i'm not for every everyone like i do very good work and i'm expensive like i'm not you know i like there there are people that i know in the same business as i am that you know charge fifteen thousand dollar initial setup fee and uh five thousand dollars a month that's not that's not what i do you know my setup fee is not even in the thousands number one and number two it's you know the average client is 895 dollars per month so it's not that you know it's 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 great you know it's but it's not like overdoing it. But bottom line is it's not for everyone, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's that you know your market and the people that it is for then. Yeah, right. Uh, we're very aligned when it comes to learning, education, goal setting, dreaming big, all these kinds of things. I have a lot of similar experiences and colleagues and acquaintances. So I'm looking forward to getting into some questions about that. Yes. First of all, though, I want to ask you, there's this idea of clout in the world of social media and online business. Oh gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why'd you take this interview? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I, the way that you reached out, I'm actually going to go to Instagram right now. The way that you reached out, what did you say? Let me see. You said, hi, Jordan, I'm launching a podcast so my students can learn. So my students can learn, even if I can't get them, get to them because of COVID uh, because of COVID, I'm looking for business leaders for some episodes. If that, and I hope you don't mind me sharing. Of course. If that interests you, would love to send you my welcome letter. I said, hey, that's cool. You're a teacher, send to, and then I gave you my email. And, uh, and, and yeah, like I, cause I, I like, you know, I've, I've spoken to students over, you know, Zoom many, you know, many times. And, uh, you know, this is, this is a little bit different of a, of a format, you know, like, you know, the students aren't necessarily like here with us, but you know, that was a cause that like, you know, I mean, my episode today that came out was about education. I post about education today on LinkedIn. I post about it all the time. My Ted talk is about education. Like this is my cause and I better, if I'm going to shout from the mountaintops, I also got to have my uh, boots on and be in the trenches. I got to be willing to get dirty in the trenches too you know, and, and put my money where my mouth is. Good for you. I appreciate that. Something I didn't recognize until you said that was that I think authenticity matters and people can appreciate that when it comes to online communication, because I don't really copy and paste much or those kinds of things. I do. <laughs> I mean, I do, but the, the thing is there's always context. There's always, you know what I mean? It's not just super yeah. random, I guess is the way that I would say it. Yeah. 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 No, it was really, yeah, it was really personal and yeah, I appreciate the way you reach out the authentic the, the authentic way that you communicated. Well, thank you for stepping up and doing that because without that, as you know, things don't get going, get off the ground. So you mentioned TED Talk, you mentioned education. For those who aren't watching this, I know there's a TED Talk book behind you and uh, you had the TED Talk coming up. A quick side story for you. I started a business with youth, 12 to 14 year olds, a long time ago, 10 years ago, as a way of teaching them English class. And a girl by the name of Adora Svitak had the most popular watched TED Talk of all time at that point for youth. Uh, one step behind Simon Sinek's Start With Why. And uh, it's called What Adults Can Learn From Kids. Mm. She wrote a letter for our class all about her stressors and how she almost gave up on the idea of going to do her TED Talk because of the pressure she felt and the anxiety that it gave her leading up to what became one of the best TED Talks of all times. Oh, So when I've heard you speak about 
your TED talk and your struggles leading up to it, I can't help but think of 10 years ago, her exact letter. And I can picture it in my mind. I haven't pulled it up, but I should pull it up and share with you in the future. Wow. But tell us about what this has been like, what the TED Talk was going to be. Take us through that journey. Well, that's a really inspiring story for me. So thank you for sharing that because as you may have heard, I I don't know, you know, where you heard me talk about it, but I was, uh, you know, I really wanted to quit. That was rough, man. I just, I, I really didn't think this was going to come together. And at that point, you know, it was a mere eight weeks away, the the talk, and the, I just didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. Like, what, 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 I, what, what I was about to try out there, I just wasn't happy with and I didn't want to. And um, so it was really hard. I actually shared with my network on LinkedIn that uh, I made a, I made a video and I was like, I'm really struggling with this. Like this is what I'm currently going through right now. Yeah, And it's one thing to talk about and be vulnerable about things that you went through in the past. There's a level of detachment there. Like you're, you're, it's much easier to talk about that kind of stuff that happened in the past. But to talk about something that you're currently going through, I think is a lot harder to do. But it's also much more rewarding because what happened when I shared in that moment that I was experiencing it on LinkedIn was that so many people came to my aid. So many past podcast guests came to my aid and you know, wanted to jump on the phone with me right now, wanted to get on, you know, schedule a, a Zoom meeting and and talk through it. And and my God, Ron Carucci, my my great friend who was on the podcast, he is the reason that the the talk is what it is today. Like it just he just is. And, and Heather Monahan really gave me an amazing piece that I, that really my, my fourth point in the talk is, is, is really, really inspired by her and the advice that she gave me and, and my friend, Jeremy Miller and Don Wetrick, who I call my education superhero, who just, you know, has made waves in the education space for years now. So many people coming to my aid and that, that never would have happened had I just suffered in silence. So sharing that and opening up about that was the best thing I could have done. And and the, the pressure alleviated and I had to turn in a, a full word draft on February 1st. The organizer was like, you know, we'll extend that for you. And I was thinking like, it's not going to help me. You know, it's just going to hurt me in the long run. Like I, you know, very, very, very thoughtful, you know, I appreciate it. But, and while it is enticing to like take up, take him up on that. It was enticing to take him up on that in the moment. I was like, Oh, you know, I could just alleviate all this pressure. It would not be a holistic way of relieving the pressure. Like it, would, it really ended up hurting me in the long run. And I didn't want that to happen. And I turned in the full word draft on February 1st. And, and from there it just got better and better to a point where it was locked and loaded, ready to go. And, you know, feeling so, so good at, good about it. You know, I would just test out pieces of it. I had it, I had it all like in my, in my head. I, I just, and, and like I was on a, on a panel discussion, you know, a, a, a few weeks before the, before the talk. And I, you know, I tested out that fourth point. Like it was, it was pretty relevant. Um, it was about coloring outside the lines and, you know, how grades are, are essentially like, you know, depending on, depending on what you want to do in life, like, you know, grades a lot of times don't matter and, uh, whatever. I don't want to share too much of it right now because, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be in my, in my talk. And I just don't want to, I don't want to spoil stuff. I want it to be original when I say it in the talk. Um, but I get, I shared it at this panel discussion because it wasn't anything online. It was in person thing. And, uh, and I tested out and people are like, people are like, wow, like, Hmm. Like there was an, an audible 
an audible, like, wow, you know, we're, we're thinking about this, like with throughout the room and, and people came up to me after and, and, and that's what they like referenced. And so it was good confirmation that I was so on the right track and that this talk was really going to smash it. And, uh, you know, of course it got postponed and, but that's another story. Uh, but you know, it's ready to go when, when the time comes and my time will come. For sure. A couple things come to mind. I know you're crushing it when it comes to the podcast and obviously you're a leader for many people. Many people look up to you. Thanks. Yeah. Of course. And a lot of people lean on you, even if you don't know it, they probably do it through social media. You maybe even never met or talked to them, but that can be a lot and can be a lot at your age too. I think it was in your, your talk with Dean too, that it was brought up about staying present, no past, no future. And that idea of uh, your time will come, like you said, um, or there'll be bigger and better talks or who knows, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's working in my favor. I, you know, I trust it is. I mean, it might not be, but that's what but it keeps me sane to think that it is working in my favor. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've moved on to the next orders of business. I don't, you know, I haven't, I haven't thought about that talk at all since it got canceled or postponed a few months ago. Mm -hmm. Silver linings, I guess. It's on deck, you know, it's waiting, you know, it's, it's waiting in the wings, um, but it's not occupying any headspace right now. Yeah. I don't want to go down the COVID route. I want this to be an evergreen thing if we can, but yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting enough for me. And that's important though. Cause I've done that with, I'm hearing podcasts, man. And it's all about that. And like the, like all the top podcasters are like, you know, gearing towards COVID now. I, I have definitely resisted, resisted it, you know, thinking that I'm trying to look into the future and like, if this is all like, over. I don't want these to be like irrelevant, but who knows? Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's hard to predict. It was fascinating for me. The, the one thing is that I was to do a talk that canceled it. Basically, when this stuff started, they were like, no way. That's not correlated at all to, to TED. It was not the TED conference. It was not the same organization. It's entirely different. Who knows? It's tough, man. Yeah, we'll see. But the point is for people learning something from that, it's that you can't control everything. No, you got to keep doing your thing and see where it goes. No. And look, the talk, you know, I've already started to think about when I revisit it, haven't thought too hard about it, but there are already a few things that in the, in the talk that need to change, not just because of, of the world, but because of just my, the evolution in my thinking, number one. And number two, like the fact that I was supposed to give the talk before I graduated, when I inevitably give this talk. I will have been graduate. Like I, I already, I, I already graduated. So now there are just some very different things now. Um, and, and when I give this talk, I mean, the whole thing just might change if it takes long enough. And I'm okay with that because like, this is better Jordan now. My, you know, I, t I mentioned how my thinking has evolved and that's what happens. Like so much of what I do, like months later, like I start cringing at, you know, some of the things I said and, and, and did, uh, even if it's not like, like other people don't cringe at it, I don't think, but like I, I do, like, I just, my thinking evolves so rapidly, like every four months, like my thinking just changes like those, like things that I was so certain about four months prior, like I'm just not now. And so I'm, I'm open to better Jordan having to construct a new talk if it comes to that. And I now, um, I now know that I can do it. I fought through the, the really hard parts of it. And now I, 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 I know what to do and I know I can do it. And that's something that's fascinating to me. This is also aligned as I heard you uh, and Mark Matry talking about that idea that he was saying that videos that he posted before he doesn't like 
as much now and those kinds of things. And there's so many different perspectives. I think we need to have self-awareness. Um, I had someone on the podcast uh, by the name of Buster from Hoops Nation. And I, th- I think one thing that's so amazing is how we just each need to know ourselves in this space. And before I get to the point, one quick side note too. On my YouTube trailer, I reference Seth Godin, uh, Brene Brown, and Carol Dweck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, know them. Growth Mindset dreaming big and vulnerability. The idea of videos, Buster talks openly about how he'll post one today and next Thursday may post the counter argument because that's what he believes at that point. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't go back and delete the first one. Right. He's the type that's like, if people don't understand that our thoughts and our minds change, right. And that's okay. Doesn't really phase him. But some people choose not to post the video, and that's okay too. Yeah. So did you see? Did you see my Instagram story the past couple of days about whether or not to reopen the country or to or to uh, stay home? I posted like probably eight stories, uh, a, a very convincing emotional, but also evidence-based argument on like, we need to reopen the country, America, that is. It started a lot of conversations, got like, I actually got a lot of good, good feedback, but I, yeah, I sensed that there were people in, you know, in the background that were not reaching out that like, I definitely offended, you know, maybe someone that has someone that died from it or like a, like a, a father, a grand, a grandmother or a, you know, a grandmother in a nursing home, actually someone did reach out to me with like, and, and told her situation and, uh, 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 her grandmother's situation in the nursing home and how it's a mess. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I feel bad. You know, uh, like I, I, I went to bed that night with like fight or flight and uh, like adrenaline and like, I just felt bad. And so the next day what I did, I posted like eight to 10 more stories about the other side, stay home, like, and, and the evidence there and the, and the why, you know, maybe why we should be staying home. Um, but bottom line is like, I kind of took the other stance and, and it, or at the very least empathized with the other stance. I'll, what, what is the, the quote that I posted about true science in that story? I'm, I'm going to find this because this is like, this is really important to me. Um, and something that I think that we should all, when we're, you know, all these things that we're so sure about, like, you know, we should be less sure about them. Not even, maybe not even less sure, but like, I'm just going to shut up and and find the quote. Here it is. It is from Robert Greene. Your first impulse should always be to find the evidence that disconfirms your most cherished beliefs and those of others. That is true science. Like confirmation bias. That's what we're fighting here. You know, our uh, confirmation bias is that our minds try only to find the evidence that supports what we want to believe. And so we need to take this other approach of, of finding evidence that disconfirms our most cherished beliefs. But what do we do? What do we do normally? You know, we see an article on Donald Trump or Joe Biden, and depending on what party, you know, what person we support, like, we'll skip right over it. You know, if I support, if I support Donald Trump, if I, if I see like something about Joe, Joe Biden, like being, being good, like, you know, I'll skip over it or vice versa. You know what I mean? Like my mind, like kind of blocks, blocks it out. And like, we all, you know, we all do that. Um, it's, it's, it's what confirmation bias is, but you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about this very eloquently too. And in, in a podcast with Tom Bilyeu, you know, people are very perplexed when they see his library of books. He has books on UFOs and religion and stuff like that. This is one of the greatest scientists of all time. People are like, do you really, you know, do you really believe in that stuff? <laughs> as if, as if everyone's library has to be like a direct reflection of, you know, what they believe and, and who they are and their, and their school of thought. Like, no, you should absolutely be seeking out that disconfirming evidence and, and you should be able to 
read books on topics that you vehemently disagree with. Like there are, there are definitely, there are books behind me that, uh, there, there are some books that I absolutely just do not believe in at all that I honestly like, yeah, just not, not a fan of the school of thought, but I can still understand that school of thought and empathize with it. And being aware of it is so valuable. And it's like writing a good essay in the formal school system. If you can balance both sides and counterbalance and counter argument. Yeah, you you should be able to argue from the other side if you really understand the topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's interesting you brought up Neil deGrasse Tyson because I was going uh, Joe Rogan, Elon Musk when you first started talking about learning and the possibilities of always learning. And that's why I use my hashtag just keep learning um, because that's the only way we can approach things. We can start to solidify our beliefs for a period of time, but we need to always be reflecting that they may change. And the second thing I want to touch on is you brought up the idea of controversy and upsetting people and offending. And I think it's, I've learned that it's most important to err on the side of kindness and generosity and empathy and compassion. Yeah. Yeah. But without controversy, without pain, we don't change. And I've had my own fair share of things. I'll mention one quickly. And that's the idea of a lot of people will talk about like um, raising daughters or like boss babes. And it's like girl power businesses and those kinds of things. Right. Yeah. So as an example, I couldn't get on their podcast because it's a podcast for female entrepreneurs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then people will look at me and say like, well, you know, you, you think that that shouldn't be so left and right or so binary. And I say, well, listen, it's because I work with so many transgender youth. People will say, well, you have two daughters. And I'll say, yeah, but you don't know that they may not transition to being a male in seven years from now. And it's like, we're all people and that's our common ground. And we need to be willing to realize that things can flux and, and change. You know, right. But that one can stir some controversy and the idea of education, like for me being on the inside and constantly talking about things like attendance and tests and how little these things matter to kids lives in the future. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's an interesting thing to have to fight that and that you really upset people in doing it. Yeah, you do. It's the necessary evil, as I've posted about before. So let's talk a little bit about that. I know you've mentioned that your views have matured. Where are um curious Jordan's views on um, education right now. You know, it just goes back to beginning with the end in mind and reverse engineering that to put it very simply. It's like, okay, what do you want to do? Does it require advanced certification for you to be able to practice that thing? If yes, go to college. If not, do the apprenticeship model that Dean and I were talking about. That's where it is now. So one thing I think when we hear the term apprenticeship model for mainstream educators is they go right to like very formalized documentation around how long is this apprentice working there? How many years, how many hours, this kind of thing. So describe the apprenticeship model in real life for people. Yeah. And it's not an internship where you're you're doing like uh, pointless stuff like and not all internships are like that, but some of them are, you know, an apprenticeship more that. I think about it like I'll use the example that Dean used with his with his daughter that, you know, she wants to be an interior designer and like, okay, you know, so that's something that doesn't require a college degree. Uh, And so what does like like what's a what's a good thing to do? Well, you know, okay. Let's research then, you know, five or 10 of the top interior designers in the country. And you're going to write like the best sales letter ever to them. And, you know, explaining why you're going to be their 
their best employee for the next year. All the while you're working for free. Then when you're there, you're going to soak up all the knowledge and wisdom that they've accumulated over 30 years or whatever. And you're going to learn everything. And, and, and then at the end of it, the money that would have been spent on tuition, you're going to spend a fraction of it on starting your own interior design business. And I just, I, yeah, I think that's like a way better model. Like if you want to be an interior designer or something like that, like, why well, I, I just don't understand. I, I just don't see going to college. Like I, I really don't. And this is a very interesting topic for me. Again, I could talk for years. I have talked for years about it. When we look if, at- if you want to be a writer, if you want to be like, sorry to interrupt, but like, I, I just, I felt the need to give another example. Like, writer, you know, why, you, you, I mean, you got to study, you, you, you can study English in, in college at, for, for four years, which I don't think you're going to get a ton out of, or you can study from uh, like Mark Manson has an amazing course on writing. You don't even have to hit him up for an apprenticeship. You can go take his course right there. Who better to learn from than Mark Manson? Who's so, who's, who I think he's the, one of the best writers ever. I don't know if you've read any of his works, but every time I have read all, yeah, I've read it all. So readable, so enjoyable, makes reading a pleasure, creates real page turners. Robert Green, you know, hit up seriously, write the best sales letter ever to one of these great authors. There's so many out there, someone who emulates a style that, that maybe you want to emulate and go freaking learn from them. Be their apprentice for a year. Mm-hmm. Why you don't need to go to college for that. And I, and I think you probably shouldn't. Of course. It's something that I've been pushing a lot, but again, when you're in certain circles, it can be hard to do that without sort of rubbing people the wrong way. And so what my struggle has always been is, can I continue to do this from within? And there's lots of, um, if you go down the route of, you know, traditional people trying to break the school system before Ken Robinson, but like um, John Taylor Gatto, some of these people, um, David Foster Wallace, taking deep dives into their work is incredible. Um, John Dewey wrote the book, The School, the Child and the Curriculum in, I think, 19... 19- seven about the struggles that we have with individualization in schools. Like that's fascinating. So over a hundred years. In 1907, man. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Something, something like that. And after we're done, I'll go pull the book and see. It's a long ass time ago. Point being I through now, you know, 15 years of a career have struggled with how do I make this change to where it subsequently impacts youth mental health because that's my ultimate why it, it school is one thing but why do we care about school why do we care about work to me it's to have more vitality in life point being do you feel that there are certain things that we can do to fix the system what would you do if you were adding some improvements because let's be honest things will be different yeah what are things that we could do better yeah no i would definitely i mentioned my friend don wetrick earlier that he had this innovation and open source learning class that he ran for many years in a high school in in, in Indiana that uh, got a lot of uh, coverage in the media um, because he was just doing such great work and they were actually creating like, so, okay. So really it's like, it's very open that class. Like you can kind of do, you can do what you want. And some kids, they sit there and, and do nothing and don't really make anything of it. And others leave with a real functioning business and whatever they need to learn to get that business going, they open source the learning. Like if, you know, you want to learn coding, like Don, Don's not going to teach it to you. He's not the guy to like do that. Uh, if you want to, he used this example in the podcast for me. So <laughs> when, when we were talking on, on my podcast, he was like, you know, if I, if someone needs to learn branding and you know, how to be like, you know, how to have a super professional personal brand, like Jordan, I'm going to send them to you. I'm not like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. Like I, I, 
It's just not, it's not my place. You know, so we open source learning. We open the sources. It's not coming from one all knowing being, you know, whatever that, whatever this person says is gospel. Like, no, it's not it. And so we open the sources here and then, uh, and so we take those skills and make something out of it or not, you know, it's really up to really up to the student. And I look, there's a reason I'm not, you know, a teacher and, and people would not hire me as a teacher. I'm sure I don't really know the answers, but I know that Don's class is really spectacular. made a lot of change, created a lot of businesses and yeah, had a, had a very net positive effect. And I think that that should be in every high school. And I think it should be a required class. Yeah. And I think it's a global solution to what often becomes a state or country problem. It's kind of a paradox because I guess we can tackle it both ways and it's important to tackle it locally as well as like globally. But I think in general, you would be a great teacher. And I was able to hire teachers because I was in that vice principal position. For me, I personally took a step back so that I can focus on doing these kinds of things. I need more time to do the quote unquote side hustle to make sure that I can advance education because it's hard to do from the inside. Let's go that route for a second. The reason why I started this is because we can all be teachers and I'm familiar with the open source model. Mm -hmm. It's very much how I work. I'm only able to because my students are suffering with such trauma, such mental illness, such needs teach a very small number. Like I teach between 20 and 30 kids uh, an entire year. That's why I want to bring people on who can teach things like what you can. So maybe let's talk quickly about branding, you know, scenario of kids going to start a podcast on addiction and recovery. This is an exact yeah. scenario. Won't say any student names, obviously. So this is, this is real. Okay. But I face these all the time. This is very real. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I can go more detail. No, I got it now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say she's 19, suffered from addiction for a number of years, faced some homelessness, these kinds of things, has really battled, is oh, okay. three months clean, coming out of a residence uh -huh. and has the chance to work on her podcast a little bit while she's in still, but then we'll be going out into the real world. And that's her goal, not to go work at Target, Yeah, right? Not to go be an employee, but to build her business on this podcast. Where does she start? Ship it. Don't be afraid to ship it, man. You know, and, uh, and, and like, it doesn't have to be good in the beginning. Like nobody's, I mean, look, nobody's going to listen in the beginning. Nobody listened to my podcast in the beginning. You can, you can put out a minimum viable product if you don't have, if, if you're not like this big entity, like if Apple put out a minimum viable product, that would, that would not be good. It would trash their reputation and it would make them harder to trust in the future when they launch things. Like when you don't have anything to lose, like I two years ago, didn't have anything to lose, like ship it. Why not? And grow as you go and figure things out along the way. Like even, even Gary Vaynerchuk, I was just listening to him. Like when he first started VaynerMedia 10 years ago, like he said, VaynerMedia, we didn't, re we weren't really that good the first couple of years. Like we really weren't. And that really also for me as someone who owns uh, an agency online, that it was a very like inspiring and hopeful thing. And the reason that I don't delete my old episodes, even though they're horrible and embarrassing, like it's a very inspiring and hopeful thing for people. So, I mean, don't, don't be afraid to ship it. Like you'll, you'll have time to improve. Like there's so many people that just don't get started because they're too freaking caught up in like all these different variables and like sounding good. And, and I, this is how I give it to people all the time. Like there's a, a lady yesterday that literally 
like told me that she, after two years of like hemming and hauling on, hauling on a podcast, she was like, I, I just started it because you like, she sent me, she sent me this long message. She took my course on podcast. She sent me this message, you know, asking all these questions. And I was like, I was like, literally just start, stop thinking about all that. And then, and then she, and she got back to me yesterday in, in the comments and she's like, and she's like, wow, I did like, like, thank you so much. <laughs> you know, I started it. And, and, and uh, so yeah, just start. Yeah, that's huge. And the idea of just starting and then growing to where you are, but not deleting the early episodes reminds me of Kobe Bryant. And that's one of my favorite sneaky teachers in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Not only did he have a podcast for children, but he also is a tremendous person of putting these little tiny quotes in an interview that if you grab onto yeah. around the Mamba mentality or whatever it is, you're going to succeed in anything. But one of the biggest ones is he talks about the classic idea of climbing Everest, but it doesn't start by climbing Everest. It's just your first damn steps. Do the damn step. You, mm -hmm. um, for all intents to many, are at the top of <laughs> Everest. I know you'll say that you're not, like you're growing, but Thank you. in terms of what they look at, and I'll tell you a quick side story as to why I say that. You brought up Lewis Howes. Yeah. He might be, if he ever heard this, be like, geez, I didn't know that's how it works. He's one of the main reasons why I didn't start a podcast. The reason being, I listen to his podcast, listen to yours, you listen to people's work, and you think, well, you know, you send them a DM, do you record uh, remote? And if they write back, no, I only record locally because the sound's better and we have a studio. And you see uh, Tom Billia was a good example you also brought up. And you look at these things, and you're like, shit, they're all so good. That it keeps a lot of us, even with growth mindset, I know Carol Dweck's work inside and out, keeps us from starting. Yeah, yeah. What were some of the challenges that you did have to overcome that people probably don't realize? I, don't know, I thought it was the best kept secret out there. I don't know. I didn't know how to, I, I, I thought I was really good. But I, but I wasn't. We always like to think that our most recent work or what we're putting out now is like good. Otherwise, we, uh, we, I mean, sometimes we wouldn't put it out. Uh, I mean, I just got done talking about you should put it out regardless. But you know, I, I was very biased in that sense. Like even though I wasn't good, like I really thought I was, and I couldn't understand why people weren't listening. I think a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people, if you're in these podcast communities on Facebook, like everyone can't understand, you know, why people aren't listening. And that's, it's really tough, but you know, I, I don't know. I just had to like, I had to figure out how to, how to market it and, and like what my marketing channel was going to be. And I don't, it just happened very organically. It ended up being LinkedIn. Of course, my marketing evolved from like posting automatically posting a link using a, a, a posting service every time an episode come out, comes that came out and I would get one or zero likes. It, it evolved from that to, I mean, I don't, know if you have me on LinkedIn. It's a pretty robust content marketing strategy. Like, yeah, it's, it has it, it just evolved greatly. Like it's, it's like, I don't post links anymore. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I really did not answer the que this question well, but. Yeah, no, you did because I'll cut you off mm -hmm. because I think you did answer the question very well because like, that's a huge struggle. And I go back to my student and think about her starting this podcast that you naturally know everybody's going to face in that mountain climb is the idea that nobody's listening. And then how do I. Yeah go to get people to listen. So LinkedIn worked for you. Would you see? Yeah, that's the thing. Like I'm worried about the applicability of this for this person and for everyone. Like, I, I mean, look, I, I to use the word, but like, I have a lot of lucky breaks. Like my exact formula, like really isn't replicable. Like it, it's going to be different for everyone. And 
different, you know, it's two years later and it's like different times, different people, different content, different guests, different formats. Like it's just not replicable, but I don't, I don't know. I just started studying other people's content on LinkedIn and like what was working and what wasn't. I kind of like waited in the shadows for like a month or two before I made my own posts. And then in October of 2018, September, 2018, I start, I start posting myself on LinkedIn and, you know, it's like, it's like, cool. I get like five likes on a post, you know? And then, uh, a month later it was like 10 likes per post. And then, and then shortly after that, like 15 and then, and then by like February of 2019, I'm getting like 40 likes, you know, per post and you know, maybe a thousand views on a video. I was like, you know, this is cool. Right. And, uh, you know, starting some conversations in the comments. And, and then by March, I'm like getting 80 likes and 40 comments was like, it happened almost every time, like 80, 40, 80, 40, and, you know, maybe 2000 views on a video. I'm like, this is, you know, it's pretty cool. And, and I just like, I started finding my zone through studying others and then, and then testing out myself, what, actually like worked for me and what didn't. And, and, um, yeah, I just got the good feedback and kept learning and kept going with it. And, you know, obviously it snowballed from there and 80, 40, it's well beyond that. So, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. It's really inspiring and people should definitely look at that journey from a helicopter view if they want to see some good examples of just taking the steps, sticking with it uh, and growth mindset as it's called. Let's talk a little bit about guests. Like when you were starting, cause I know that's something that holds people up, right? They either want the big guests on right away or they think once they get a big guest on that, if the next one isn't a quote unquote big guest, they're always looking at followers, right? Yeah, sure. What would you say to how you kind of dealt with that early on? You know, was it tough to get guests or? I don't know. I just kind of reached for what I could grasp with my own arms. Like in the beginning, you know, what was already within my reach, like, you know, friends and really wasn't anything. But in January of 2019, and this is a big why, reason why January or big reason why 2019 was just my year. Like 2019 was my big year. January 2019, this guy, I, he told me, he's like, dude, all the people that you've been waiting to reach out, out to, it's like, stop waiting. You reach out to them now. And he had a podcast at the time too. He doesn't anymore. But you know, for, I was like, yeah, for two weeks, I was like, I don't know, you know, about two weeks go by and I, and like, I start doing it and, and taking chances and not everyone says yes, but you know, one person takes a chance on you. Another person takes a chance on you. And then you leverage those guests. Like, Hey, I just had these people on. And then you get the next next few. And then like, you're like, Oh, Hey, I just had these people on. You want You want in, you want, you want to join, you know, you want to be a part of this and more and more. And I snowballed and snowballed. And now I can like, not reach out to anyone. And I'm like, yo, I've, <laughs> I'm not going to name drop, but like I've had these 10 people on, do you want in? And everyone wants in. Yeah. James Altishir, we can go, I can name drop for you, but I won't. <laughs> but then that 10th person feels left out. I think it's just the power of networking and understanding leverage. And if we made a mini course for ninth grade kids right now together, I think that would be the best thing we could pick. Mm. You mentioned your guests. I know that James is obviously one of the ones you've mentioned looking up to the most and kind of being that yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, leader for you. Uh, who's... By the way, I love, I love how much homework you've done. I, I, I appreciate it. You're welcome. I wouldn't have it any other, any other way. I, I think what's interesting you bring that up is that I think it's important to do that. But I do know a lot of people that overthink the homework and the quote unquote homework I've done has been very organic and authentic, too, because it's just like it's what I've heard you say or talk about that I think could really bring a lot of value to people. Uh -huh. It's not a matter of having to have written an essay in order to do this interview. Right. I think for other people, too, I haven't looked at a note yet. <laughs> that's kind of handy because the homework, I guess I know you a bit now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I appreciate it, man. 
Not every, not everyone, not everyone does the due diligence. So no worries. So what would be somebody else who um, maybe you talk a, a bit about less that you've learned from on your podcast? Oh yeah. I mean, there's so, I mean, so many, uh, you know, Dean Graziosi, the, you know, Robert Green. Um, a lot of times when we have guests on, we kind of know some of the things they're going to say, cause we've heard them do it in a talk. Yeah. We've seen their YouTube video on it. Do you know something that really intrinsically helped you? Maybe they don't even know that it helped you. Robert really, you know, helped me in, in thinking and thinking differently about human nature and that, like I read it, I read it in the laws of human nature, but, um, you know, it really hit me when we were talking about it and you know, how generally under the emphatic trait, you know, like the, under the, the very expressive trait, I'll, you know, just in case people don't know what that word word means under the emphatic trait generally lies the opposite. So somebody who's always like, there's someone in my life, like he always says like to everyone and he means it, I'll beat the shit out of you. And, and we, we all know, everyone knows, everyone around him knows what's under that. It is, and it is extreme insecurity. Yeah. Um, so I think about that with, with a lot of things like, you know, under those emphatic traits, you know, whatever the emphatic trait is like generally opposite rests underneath it. Um, and so I don't know, it's just something that I think about every single interaction, every day of my life, but there's so many lessons. I, I just did a podcast where it was, it was the best interview that, that someone's ever given me on another show. And it was like, he literally just for like an hour went through all these guests that, that really st- that stuck out to him the most. And, and was like, you know, what, what take, what did you take away the most from this person, this person, this person? And it was so easy to answer those, but yeah. One of the things that that brings up is the idea of dealing with haters and bullies and anyone who wants to grow in this online business space, those emphatic traits and what lies beneath. Um, what would be tips that you would give people that have to deal with that as they grow, it's going to grow too. Yeah. Like it's the same thing with like, you know, people that, Someone said, you know, boring interviewer, walking cliche, nothing original. That's but another a more extreme example is just somebody who like yesterday was just really disparaging and very hateful, like not constructive criticism, not not criticism at all. Just like just very disparaging, not not real feedback, not real feedback at all. Just hateful. Like I said, what what is it that rests underneath that? It's again, it's, it is extreme insecurity. Like you don't need to answer that stuff. You don't need to pay, give energy, give life to that. You're literally giving life to it. You're literally adding fuel to the fire with any sort of response. And I'm really, really good at not responding. I actually did. I guess I got baited into responding yesterday. I couldn't, I, and it was the first time I'd done it in a very, very long time. Um, I usually like don't do that. Um, and it was, and it was an absolute misstep because he just kept going and going and going. And, and I start, I, I started quite the fire and it would have been extinguished had I not breathed life into it with, with the first comment back. Um, and, and then from there, I, you know, I didn't, I just, uh, and I didn't respond anymore after that. Think about it, man. It's like, a you, you can think about it like adding fuel to the fire. You could also think about it like, like a weed growing, like every time, you know, even in, 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 in you know, in the comment section and in real life, like in a real life argument, like, you know, some, sometimes things need to be talked talked about, but not at a really high emotion level where people are like too emotional with each other and too mad at each other. Like that's not really the time to talk. You know, it needs to be a, a calmer situation. So in those situations that aren't so calm, whether in the comment section or in real life, think about it. Like if you respond, you are watering a weed and it will grow bigger. And then the other person is going to respond to you and your weed is going to grow bigger. And then back and forth and back and forth. And then the weeds are going to be so big and they're going to take over and they're going to consume you both. And it's just going to be a mess. I think that's well put. And I think high school kids can draw a parallel to dealing with bullies as we think of them in the traditional terms too. 
There is nothing cooler and more badass than keeping your cool when somebody's all up in your face. I, man, I had it the other week and people around me said, you played that so well. Like, like that was, that was really cool how you did that. And like this person came up to me, uh, actually all mad, like in person, in person, uh, I had some friends around and, um, and I said, you know, she's like, she was like pushing me and asking these and press and pressing, you know, asking these pressing questions. And I would just say, I said, no comment. And then she kept pressing and pressing. I said, I'm sorry. And I walked away and she was mad as ever. <laughs> and it was, it was, there's nothing cooler than, than either doing that or not responding. Another thing that I like to do. Yeah. It's, and I'll let you comment after this. The, my other go-to is thanks for your feedback. People get so wound up when you just say, thanks for your feedback. Oh my God. <laughs> Less a comment, but more an extending question is that for sure that takes doing a lot of work yourself. Ryan Holiday's ego is the enemy comes to mind, like making sure that you can (laughs) on the bookshelf there. Um, That would have been funny if it was on mine too. over there. I know, I know. Point being that you have obviously done the work yourself too. Um, I've heard you talk about the pharmacy within. I think those topics can really help a lot of people. The idea of doing the work internally versus needing to turn to probably substances and those kinds of things, right? Right. What are things that people can do maybe that aren't as bad as the other stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll just talk about like what I, what I do. I mean, I, I exercise, I don't know. I don't exercise for an hour at a time. Like, and I, and I don't do it seven days a week. Like, you know, before the pandemic, I went to F45 and I'd work out four days a week, 45 minutes, high intensity interval training. And and that's like the most, that's the most intense training I've ever really done. You know, with everything, like uh, you would think I look worse, but I actually, you know, in terms of like my body fat percentage and all the numbers and my scalable muscle percentage and, and, and just the way I look around the the waist and, and the stomach in general, like I look better than ever, but I work out like 20. 20 minutes. That's it. You know, I work out 20 minutes. I, I eat right. Like I don't have three meals a day. Like I don't, you don't need to have breakfast. Like it's, it's not the most important meal of the day. It's actually the least important meal of the day. I like to practice intermittent fasting. I've been doing that for like ever and really my entire adult life for the most part. So I don't have breakfast. I go as long as I, I I feel like a lot of people wake up in the morning and they eat because they feel like they're supposed to eat. Honestly, I found in high school, I would, I couldn't really eat in the morning. Like I, I but I would force myself because I thought I was supposed to. I would take like two bites of something. I would get super nauseous every freaking morning. So I just stopped like, I'm, like, it's just not, it's just not for me. The breakfast thing's like, I'll do it on vacation, but I don't, you don't need it. And and then I have like a, a smaller lunch uh, and then I have a snack around three o'clock. And then I have a, I have a big dinner before seven o'clock, usually around five thirty, six o'clock. Um, so I don't eat right before bed. The worst thing you can do for your health is like eat, you know, close, too close to bed. I'm talking like one to two hours before bed is like not good. A two hours before bed is just not good. Yeah. And then I go to bed at 10, 11 o'clock and I wake up at 6 30, 7 30. And, uh, and, and that's what I do. And I don't eat grains. I don't over, I don't pig out on meat. I have it, uh, but it's pasture raised. Not everyone can afford that. But again, I was thinking about it last night. Like I prioritize it. It's a lot of money. I could save so much money if I just ate like normal conventionally raised meat. And maybe if I had like, if I, if I ate bread, like I could make all this stuff. I could feel so much like, like I could, I could feel fuller with like less money and, you know, but like, 
I prioritize that, man. I would sooner, I would sooner downgrade anything and everything in my life before I downgrade the quality of the food that I eat. Like I would sooner, way sooner sell off my car and, and downgrade my car. Like I, you know, I, 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 it's a, my car is a luxury. It really is. But I would get rid of that in a heartbeat if it came to like sacrificing. Like I cannot imagine a world where I just sacrificed the quality of the food that I eat. It's, it's just what I, it's, it's really expensive, really expensive, but it's about, it's just about what I prioritize. Those are my thoughts on that. I don't, I don't really, I don't have too much sugar either. Like, you know, 36 grams of sugar per day is generally what I'm at. And uh, that's is really hard to do. But for, for the average person, it's really hard to do. But for, like for the foods that I eat, like it's honestly hard to go over that. <laughs> yeah, it is tough. It's true with whole foods. It depends on when you start qualifying, uh, you know, C6H1206 and get into sugar being strawberries. Oh, that processes sugar versus proteins. And well, fats. no, and then, no, no, if I you're mean, going keto route, I mean, that'd be different. But no, I mean that, man. Like I don't eat fruit. Fruit is glorified candy. I'll have a green banana in a shake, a green banana. So it's about like, you know, it's, let's say for example, it's a green banana. It's 80% resistant starch and which is really, really good for your gut bacteria and just your gut as a whole. It feeds those, the good, the good bacteria in your gut resistance arch. Great thing. And it's 20% fructose. When it gets brown, it flip flops the other way around. It's like 80% fructose. It's, it is straight candy. The more brown a banana gets, it is candy, man. And it's like 20% resistance. It's candy. So it's absolute junk food. You know, there are other fruits, some fruits that are better than others. Like I will have when they're in season, I will have raspberries because those are a little bit more bitter. They don't have like they have way less sugar and it doesn't like balloon my sugar content for the day if I have some raspberries. Well, what's fascinating to me with podcasts. Vegetables. Very good. Eat vegetables pretty much all the time. Cucumbers. Broccoli. What's fascinating to me about podcasts is I think that that soundbite that you just dropped there about nutrition may be the most impactful thing that people take away from this. Wow. Potentially. You just never know. Yeah. But I think that was neat. And we had zero plan on getting there, obviously. So I think that. No. And, and I don't talk about that much, man. So thanks for getting that out of me. Yeah, well, I think that's that's a silent, it's not even a silent killer, but somehow we managed to make it a silent one because we continually get into these habits and routines that aren't quite full-blown addiction. Um, I'll, I'll mention a really quick quote. Yeah. Russell Brand's book, Recovery. Um, I read a quote from that the other day. I was like, oh my God, this is one of the best quotes I've read in any book ever. And he talked about the fact that having full-blown addiction can be a blessing. It's not even a stretch. He was saying that it's such a red flag that it drives opportunity to get support, to get help, to be like, holy crap, I have a problem that needs fixing. Whereas when people are addicted to something like sugar, they can do that until they get, you know, liver disease or right. it starts giving them brain fog and they live operating like that for 60 years, not even knowing. I actually wrote a, uh, an article about sugar that I'm very proud of with a lot of different references. You know, if you just go to jordanparis.com and hit the search icon on the top right, you look up acai bowls. So A-C-A-I and then bowls that'll come up. And it's like acai bowls or, or, or acai bowls making you fit or fat. And so I really dive into like the fruit that goes into those bowls and the sugar behind them and like, and all just the negative health externalities that go into it. Like just the, just how fructose inflames your kidneys. And it, like I'm saying, man, it's, it's glorified candy. You know, you're really, really fooling yourself. If you like think by eating fruit all day, you're being healthy. Like you're, you're really not, I don't know, bro broccoli, man, freaking love it. I, I have broccoli every day. I do. Yeah. I, I think people take for granted, like they don't even realize how, how bad they feel and they were or they don't even realize how much better they can feel if they just like 
fix a few things or eliminate a few things in, in their lifestyle. I don't even want to say diet because it's not like this is my lifestyle. Yeah, I was a personal trainer before and people would ask me all the time about diets, right? Keto and you can go down the list of all different things. Um, and I would say to start, you don't have to argue about all those different versions of diets. I would start with sugar. Just start there and then let's build out. Anyhow, to bring that a little bit back full circle, just to connect it to online business before we yeah. wrap up. Um, the fact that you posted an article about sugar and acai bowls is neat to me because I just want to ask you your stance on the idea of a lot of advice says if you're starting a business, you need a super specific target audience and niche. What do you think about that? I think it's overrated. You need to know more. Like I'm I'm so sick of in, in classes, all these marketing classes that I took in college, every class is a target market, target market, identify your target market. And you don't, and they don't teach you anything about like, about how to get them to actually give a damn or how to actually like sell to them and like, you know, get them to buy what you're selling. Like it's worthless. Like I'm telling you, that's all I learned in these marketing classes in college. Target market. <laughs> and so I think it's overrated. I think what matters more, literally, like I said, and what I talked about with Dean too, how to get them to buy what you're selling and how to get them to give a damn about what you're putting out there. That's what matters more. Yeah, for sure. How to help people care. Uh, what about the idea of planting flags across, you know, Pinterest, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, when somebody's starting versus just focusing on one platform? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that uh, Gary Vaynerchuk has like a good, I've seen graphics from him where like he, in a pie chart, like the percentage of effort that he, uh, out of a hundred percent that he puts into various platforms, I think like, what is it? A 79, 21 strategy or something. He's got like 79% in like Instagram or something like, I don't remember, but bottom line is like for me, 79% of my energy goes into LinkedIn and the other 21% is Instagram and Twitter. And I mean, it really might be like 84% and 16%. Yeah, that's what it is. That's good. Quick math. Yeah. Something that you talk a lot about is the idea of following your passion. Obviously, you've set an example of that for people. But I think where people get caught up in a big way is not knowing what that passion is. Right. We talked about how to climb the mountain, what to do. But how do you think people can find clarity about whether they want to start a podcast or a YouTube channel? Yeah, sure. I mean, I read in like uh, Mastery by Robert Greene that, you know, pay attention to those things that you really gravitate towards, pay attention to, you know, or even think back like to your childhood, like, what did you gravitate towards? What, what really made you happy and excited and try to, you know, try to incorporate that into your career. Your, I mean, more than a career, your, your calling, like try to figure out your calling, you know, that way, think about like what makes you feel alive, what, And I'm not talking like, you know, someone could listen to that and clown me and be like, well, sex makes me feel alive, Jordan. Well, you know, you know, I, I, I've interviewed a porn star, but like you probably, you know, I don't think the average person should be a porn star. So I think people do under, I think people understand what I mean though. It's not stuff like that, you know, partying and drinking makes me feel alive. No, it's not, it's, it's not that. I think it's helpful to think about those things. Again, I can't really, I don't know that I can offer things that are too actionable because I mean, I just know, uh, look, I started my, my podcast production company, Trend Up Media, because I love podcasts. Podcasts make me feel alive. Like, now that's not something I was like thinking about as a kid. They didn't have podcasts, but that's what, it, that's what I love now. And so why not make my entire life podcasting? And it is. Well, and I've heard you say that you had a goal to get that dream car. Like I'm going to set this goal in terms of the business piece. And I think people have a fear of money. There's a psychology of it. Yeah. But let's be super blunt here and say that you set that goal of like, I'm going to crush it. You did crush it again. You're still climbing, but you, you got there, you bought the car. Do you believe in the power of manifestation and the secret? I actually hate that book. I, I read it again. Not like it's something that I, I didn't believe in somebody like gave it to me to borrow actually. 
And I was like, uh, you know, like she was telling me about it one day and she was like, oh, I'll let you buy it. But I'm thinking like the whole time I was like, yeah, I, I, I don't buy that stuff. And I read it and I just like, it's honestly like, I don't like that book. But at the same time, there are things that you can do like this book persuasion here. You know, there are things that you can do on a micro level, like to like when you're starting your day that make it more likely that you have a good day. There are things you can do at the beginning of a negotiation that makes it more likely that you get what you want. Like you're, you're priming yourself to have a good day. You're priming yourself to have a good no- negotiation, like beforehand, you're persuading yourself to have a good day. I, I mean, I did in a way prime myself to, uh, you know, do these things. Like I, you know, I, I thought about them and I really believe that they were going to happen. So like, you know, but, but let, let's go back to that day example. There is real science. I, I cited, I cited the, the science and the, and the researcher, Dr. Dr. Luba Mersky is, is her name from uh, UCLA. She's a professor there. She studies happiness and, and, and Robert references her in this book to a colleague of his, Dr. Luba Mersky is. And uh, literally the cheesy, the oh so cheesy gratitude thing in the morning results. Like if you, if you like just think about or write down like the three things, like, you know, you're grateful for, like you're actually way more likely to go out there and have a good day. You're priming yourself to go out there and have a good day. You're persuading yourself to go out there and have a good day. Um, So like I, yeah, I did kind of the, when I when I got on campus as a freshman, like just the way I introduced myself to people, like I'm you know, I'm Jordan, and I'm gonna have you know this car by 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 senior year. So in a way, yeah, I did like really persuade myself to go out there and do that and and make that happen. But like I worked for that, like it wasn't just me talking it or thinking about it. Like it was there's a lot more to it. I think that's the the biggest point is putting in the action. When I know when I was younger, and this is why I think you're uh, an inspiration to a lot of people, is because you put in the action. I used to think that, you know, if you close your eyes and meditate on these ideas, that somehow you're going to end up getting there. You know, you see football players holding the trophy after the Super Bowl being like, oh, I can't believe this is me and this happened to me. And it's like, yeah, well, what people don't realize is they put in the work too. Yeah, I agree. One thing that you do really well, being super authentic you talk often about doing podcasts live. Do you do a lot of them live or do you do all of them live or do you do any of them anymore? Like, where do you? I've done, I've done two live ever. Yeah. And so editing though, do you tend to edit things out or do you just kind of run beginning to end? I really don't do much. Yeah. I don't, I don't edit much out. So does that speed things up for you? Do you find, or is it more just, yeah, keeps it real. Yeah. It keeps it real. That's perfect. I, I, I just don't think like, you know, I know people that like, pick apart interviews on the editing process and like literally rearrange things and say things over again and like insert and it's just like that's not real interviewing that's i don't even i don't know what that is but it's not it's yeah the 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 art form of it for me is doing minimal like editing work one thing you show people is that you continue to improve everything like asking questions and just showing that you have a growth mindset for podcasting, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I always ask the same few questions, similar to how Lewis Hauser, some of the others do. And one of them is something that you are learning right now. Yeah. Uh, sales. And a piece of advice for the next generation. Know why you want something. Like, don't just get good grades because you think you sh- you're supposed to. Understand the higher purpose beyond getting that A. If you know that A will get you into law school so that you can fight for innocent people on death row, then yeah, you should go get that A. That's huge. Appreciate that. If you thought that I created a 60 second video to answer a question to my audience, what do you think a good question that you would ask me would be? Oh, you really put me on the spot. 
message it to me at some point ever in life and I'll answer it. <laughs> Put it up as a piece of content. I mean, that's what I do. I try and answer it on the spot if I can. It's cool. It's like I ask questions all day, but like when you're on the spot, you can't think of one. You know what I mean? What's cool is that um, you're an authentic humble person. That's just another example of it. So it's just your brain doesn't work when you put too much pressure on it. It's, or at least mine doesn't. I appreciate that because you can make up some BS question about what's your favorite book. That's not what it's about. And I think what's really cool is that you just showed another example of being a leader in this space because that was just a real answer, which is awesome. Thank you. I, I, I struggle with that. I feel I have the courage to say, I don't know, but maybe sometimes it can come across as like, oh, he doesn't want to be here. Or like, I, I do this plenty. It's exact for the exact reason you said, I don't want to like BS something and fluff some like, it, like it doesn't serve people. It's like a detriment to people. If I don't know, I will say, I, I don't know, or in some form or another, like the way I just did. But people take that the wrong way. My mom, who's my a great supporter. She says, I, I, I'm not good at getting interviewed largely because of that. She said, that's my week. And I'm like, I don't know whether to listen to that or not. Like, you know, that's something I struggle with too. Like what feedback do you listen to? What do you not listen to? It's like really very almost impossible to discern. Yeah. I think that's just a great spot to end. You know, like I said, we could talk for days about all these things, but I know you're a busy person and I appreciate you just taking the time to do this. I'm sure it will help whoever listens to it. But if nothing else, it helps build a foundation for all the things that will come in the future. And you'll always be able to look back and and be one of the earlier guests on this podcast. So I just appreciate it. Um, I do want to ask, you know, where and why people might want to find you online. Yeah, that's good. Sometimes I ask guests, why would people want to find you online too? Like, I think that's important, you know, because so many links are thrown at people like, like, oh, go here, go here. But like, there's be a reason all the while I'm talking about this and I'm stalling because I don't have, I don't have a reason. So yeah, don't follow me. I mean, you can find jordanparis.com, but like, look, if you, if you just think I'm interesting, which like, you know, 0.01% would think I'm interesting enough to like, actually, <laughs> actually like, you know, reach out to me. But, um, It's a good question. I need to, I need to be able to answer that. That's not one of those things that I should have to say. I don't know to like, like I actually like, that's one of those things I do need to think about. There's gotta be a reason like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm just a methodical person. Like there's always like a method. There's always like a step-by-step process. Like I, I operate in step-by-step processes. I train my team members with step-by-step processes, proven repeatable processes. And I put those out on LinkedIn. I create these and I do all this content myself. Like, cause I love, love doing it. It's another art form for me. Like I will create these really beautiful aesthetic looking documents and put them on LinkedIn with like, like step-by-step processes. Like I put out a 14 step process the other week, a document about how to write and self-publish a book for free. Yeah. Yeah. For It's just a document on, on social media on LinkedIn. Yeah. So Jordan Paris there, 12 interview tips is something that I'm going to be releasing soon. It's a, one of the pieces of content I'm most proud of. I've been sitting on it for two months and I haven't put it out yet and uh, stuff like that, like really practical, applicable stuff like, you know, the six things you need to start a podcast like or yeah, it's just stuff like that. I think that can help a lot of people. We just need to figure out how to put it into the two sentence story brand answer for you. I know. I know. Yeah, it's a good I, I have that book. It's over there. Yeah. yeah, it's good. That's OK. We don't need any homework. So I wish you all the best. Look forward to seeing the rest of that mountain climb for you in terms of the podcast. Um, I know it's helping a ton of people already and it's only going to help more. So thank you for doing this. Thank you, sir. You're sharp. Thanks. Appreciate it.
I wish we could do one of these every single day. The more people that listen and learn about the show, the closer we can get to that dream. So please do pass it along. Thank you to our guest, Jordan. He's a great presence in online business for people to be learning from. It's our goal to have this in every school in the world. So please do subscribe, leave reviews, but most importantly, pass it along to someone that you think could benefit from the show. Until the next episode of the Learn Podcast, all the best and remember, Just keep learning.